a Highline podcast. I had to get my slippers because my toesies got cold in the last episode. <laughs> cold toesies. Have you ever heard of socks? Call them out. Call them out, Emily. Have you ever heard of slippers, though? Come on. Yeah, but slippers and socks, that's where it's at. Full winter. No, too hot. Too no. hot. Makes what them too socks sweaty. What are you wearing? Oh, my God. I'm going to pray for you. Get my slippies. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the pod. Oh, thank you. If you're just tuning in, um, Stephen has just discovered socks for the first time, so we've been giving him crap about it. But to celebrate his momentous occasion where he just discovered socks as an option for warming his feet, um, I'd love to hear what everyone is drinking today. Josh, you're such an ass. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm drinking my favorite winter beer. Honestly, it's just my favorite beer all the time. Jeremiah Johnson's Mountain Man Scotch Ale. It's just a classic. Man, we should really be sponsored at this point. For but that. It, uh, it's just like so solid. We both love it. I <sighs> know, right? I don't know if Emily loves it. I am a fan of it. Yes. We'll see what happens in 2023. There's no telling oh. how cool this could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's delicious. It's my favorite beer. Notes of cherry and chocolate and caramel. And my goodness, it's delicious. Honestly, honestly, I had a very disappointing black stout yesterday from a Scottish pub here in Seattle, so I mean, maybe red flag number one, but like it looked like it was an all right place. The food was good, but the beer was just like, oh, it didn't even have the body of Mountain Man. Yeah. And I wished I had had that. Like, yeah, I get it. I thought of that beer. You know, the best thing about Mount- Mountain Man actually is it is one of the best beers with an aftertaste. Like the aftertaste is good on this beer. Some beers, hit or miss. It's very coffee-like. Yeah. Even though it doesn't taste like coffee. It's coffee-like. Right. Same mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It's very complex. Very good. Very good. All made with local malts, too. Come on. Amazing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, just the one drink for you? Um, I do have a backup here. It is a, I'm going to be honest, it's not a LaCroix. It's a different sparkling water. I believe it's pronounced Soleil. Ooh. Uh, this is the pineapple. I think it's Soleil, but I also, I'm obviously not a French speaker. Yeah, we're so clearly like, know. is it LaCroix? <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, this this is my backup drink today because I'm feeling rather thirsty. Uh, so it's the pineapple flavor, I should say. I'm drinking two hot drinks today. Uh, I'm drinking a double bag of the Kava stress relief tea, which it's not that I'm stressed out. It's just that it's like, it is my favorite fall tea. It's yeah, so good. Honestly, I do think that every time you mention it, but mm-hmm. I'm the same so way. Good. There's a, uh, there's like a, 
a lavender tea that Yogi does that's specifically called stress relief. And it's like, I'm not stressed. Mm. If anything, this is making me so far the opposite of stressed, which I guess is the point, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's not meant to induce stress. (laughs) You two astound me. This this tea is a stressful tea. It's a stressful. (laughs) And then I'm also drinking a cup of coffee. It is a red brick. It's the roast. It's called red brick from Square Mile Roasters in London, England by James Hoffman, famous coffee YouTuber. Picked up a couple bags on my British trip. So admittedly, these beans are getting like old, you know, for like specialty coffee. But like, it still tastes pretty good, which is impressive. So uh, shout out to Square Mile. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm enjoying a Green Mountain breakfast blend, uh, medium roast coffee. It's here in the church and it was just calling my name. So. Only one, though. One drink for me right now. No water or whatever. Or whatever, as Stephen says, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my last episode of the year, which feels absolutely wild. So I think that this is the most timely thing that I have for this time of year, Um, even though it's not like beginning of the year, so to speak. But like, Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. this time of year, we're like thinking about the next year and like the future, etc. So all of that to say, I would like to reconsider prophecy. And the concept of forth-telling. Oh. And I'm surprised that we have not talked about this on the pod yet. Are you really surprised? No, but I saw it coming. <laughs> wow. Hey, that was a prophecy joke for all of you uh, prophetic people out there. Um, so I, I get the sense, I'm especially surprised that we haven't talked about this before because I get the sense that we were each raised with very different forms and concepts of prophecy. And I would venture to say that we have current, we have different current opinions about it, whether or not those have like changed. Now, is that based on just our history of almost every episode pointing out how we're different than we used to be? (laughs) I mean, probably, but maybe we should start with like... You're picking up on a pattern is what you're saying? (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Like... Uh, like for me, for instance, I was raised with a very specific view of prophecy and, uh, I now have a, not that view. So, but I would, I would like to like reconsider it as a concept. So maybe we should start with like where each of us were raised, like the views of prophecy that we were raised with. I would be very interested in hearing that from you. Can we make Emily go first? Cause I feel like I'm so much more in the dark on how Methodism treats prophecy. What was your question, Josh? Uh, I'm overwhelmed by this topic. So. I love this. I love how this are, already. How are you raised to think of prophecy? Oh. If at all. Okay. Um, so, yes. We, I want to be clear. Um, I think how you introduce the topics to us, Josh. Um, I think there is a distinct difference between prophecy and divination. Fair. Okay. Um, so, uh, growing up, I was instilled taught, handed down the idea that prophecy was a form of truth-telling, of telling truths, whether or not Mm. that was truths to come or truths that were actively happening and were not being seen or witnessed, that I'll leave up to you. Um, But that is what I believe to be prophecy is truth-telling versus like just a foreseeing of the future in, you know, magic ball type thing. That's probably not the star luster answer that you were looking for, but that- no, I like that answer a lot. Um, I actually really like the that concept of truth telling. I'm curious if you think that, like, since you were raised 
with that concept? Do you think that your concept of it has like developed or changed or shifted or um, unraveled? Oh, it's grown. It's grown. Okay. Because I read a book called The Bible, um, and the Bible has these people in it called prophets, where they were um, basically called by God to uh, share the truth. And sometimes that truth was unfavored. Sometimes that truth was unliked. Sometimes that truth was speaking of the here and now, or things to come, or both even, depending on which prophet you read. And I think having a deep love for the prophets, um, Isaiah being one of my favorites, but not the favorite. Um, I think there's much truth to be shared and how that truth is shown can vary. And I mm. think that's why prophecy is really interesting because sometimes it comes from the mouths or shown through us in means that are unconventional, radical even, I would say. And I love it. I act, I, people have called me a prophet, like in my church, which I'm like, whoa, hey lady, like, thank you. That's like a huge, let's not go that far. Um, But in a sense, I am speaking a truth. Like a pastor, a preacher is a type of prophet who is speaking truth in some way. So maybe I do have this gift of prophecy. I don't know. Wasn't there a prophet in the Old Testament who did something with poop? Who am I thinking of? Oh, oh. Wasn't that Ezekiel? Oh, he I, didn't. Did he cook with his poop? It, oh, what was shoot. it? I don't think it was Hosea. Hosea like married no. a prostitute to like show Israel that they were marrying. No, it was Ezekiel. He would eat bread. Called it. Yes, he would eat bread baked over feces. Mm-hmm. Love that big energy. Honestly, which is funny. Pretty radical. We, which is funny because we have Ezekiel bread. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought that. That's so funny. Oh boy, that is funny. Oh boy. It was bread not cooked over feces. Don't worry. It's You can find it in the freezer section of your store. Yeah, I don't it's think delicious. that would be FDA approved at this point. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, there are different variations. I mean, it probably could be kosher, right? I don't know. Wow. Maybe. Uh, don't ask me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the point of contact for wow. that. Emily, who is your favorite prophet? You said Isaiah is one of the favorites, but not the favorite. One of the favorites. Take a guess. Um, Wesley. No, Wesley. Wasn't We're talking a prophet. biblical prophets. Why not? Why was Wesley not We're a prophet? We're talking about biblical. That's a fair question. We'll come back to that one, Josh. Okay, Wesley is a favorite modern prophet. Sure. How's that? Wow. Okay. 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 Um, now we're talking biblical, your ancient favorite um, prophet. It's not Jeremiah. Jeremiah is too much of a bummer, dude. Oh, <gasps> you take that back. <laughs> did I find your favorite by accidentally dissing you, him? Yes, you did. <laughs> you sucker. <laughs> Jeremiah is so complex because he's the one that actually lives through the exile that the other ones were only talking about as coming. Right. Jeremiah is also one of the youngest. We get a big picture of like how deep his sadness goes because he's very personal. Yeah. Yeah. If your name happens to be Jeremiah, last name Johnson, um, we, we don't hate you. We love you. Sponsor us. Right. Please <laughs> let us drink beer and talk about it. <laughs> but yes, Jeremiah is one of my absolute favorites Amazing. so what i'm hearing is like your concept of prophecy that you were raised with has only expanded like you don't feel like you've like majorly shifted no god no okay i i like that concept actually i think we should like come back to that okay um steven yeah let's do it or do you want to go yeah, next? i'm in, i'm intrigued i'm ready to hear this uh so i was raised reformed secessionist Oh, yeah, that's right. Meaning (laughs) that we didn't believe that any of the gifts of the spirits were active today and that they were 
here for a time and a purpose to spread the gospel as fast as possible in the early centuries post-Christ. And now those don't happen anymore. And that's why we don't, that's why we think people who are praying in tongues are faking it and why prophecy was only for a time and a place. And the last one being John the Baptist. Many things oh, like that. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the idea of like John the Baptist being the last. Last of like, the prophet. Prophet. Line. Yeah. Would, would you, do you think you were ever raised with like the idea that early disciples were practicing something called prophecy? No. Um, yeah, that's where they like to parse that. No, they were, they were acting in a distinctly different office called apostleship. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't know until just a number of years ago when I started listening to one of my favorite podcasts on the internet called The Bible for Normal People um, that I happen to work for now, and it's still like I'm living a dream. Stephen's other podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It still feels like a dream, you guys, when I, oh, I anyway, bet. I didn't know until a number of years ago that people dis, like, uh, made a distinction between prophecy as truth telling and divination as future telling. I thought they were the same thing. I thought that's all mm. the prophets did in the Hebrew Bible was tell the future. Mm. So I was taught a systematic versus like speak to the moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was taught a systematic theology of. Every Hebrew prophet had to have essentially two fruitions of their prophecy in order to be recognized as a true prophet and not a false prophet. Interesting. It was drawn as a diagram. You put a stick figure on the left of the whiteboard, and then you draw a little triangle in front of him to represent a first peak, and then you draw a larger triangle behind that one um, on the other side of the small mountain to rec- represent the second peak. And then you draw a line from the eyes of the stick figure through the peak of the first mountain and ending at the second mountain. And basically the idea was the first peak is what happened already. That being, you know, Joel was predicting the fall of Israel to Assyria, I believe. And specifically they would talk about how like, we're talking about a prophet having something to say to his moment, and he, but he's telling the future about the fall of the kingdom to an outside pagan kingdom. And we will use apocalyptic language like these crazy locusts, right, that are coming in and destroying and causing plague and famine and all that kind of stuff to represent both the spiritual plague and famine and also the very actual one that happened. But then the second peak of a true prophet is the way that it is accomplished again in the end times. What? Yeah. I did not expect that turn. So the reason Joel was used a lot in this teaching was because basically they look at like, well, here's Joel describing some crazy locusts that are like the size of horses and they're breathing fire. And oh, what's this? The writer of Revelation borrowed that language again. It must be that Joel is going to become true because- the locusts are the same locusts. <laughs> so every prophet has to be tied to your eschatology in some way in order to be the truest prophet to accomplish something in history behind us, but also accomplish something that will happen in admittedly a more metaphorical sense at the end of days before the judgment day and before heaven becomes a thing and everyone else goes to hell. 
I must admit, I've never heard that interpretation of prophecy before. I can't believe I remembered it all just now. <laughs> That's so fascinating. I've never heard anyone put like a that much of an like an eschatological spin on the Old Testament prophets. Like obviously I know that like people like have tended to connect like Daniel and Revelation, like especially like Oh for sure. Tim LaHaye and like yeah, yeah, late yeah. great planet Earth. But like that that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Emily, what is your how do you respond to any of that? Does that all just sound like batshit crazy? <laughs> batshit crazy? No. Crazy? No. I need to be respectful of um what you were taught, what you believe. Um do you believe that now? No. 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 I I'm very much on board with the idea of truth telling of like these prophets in the Hebrew Bible were paying attention and well, it's, it's wild that we get the actual term seeing the writing on the wall from a Bible story, huh? I just almost said that without acknowledging that, but almost like it was foretold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that the office of prophecy or like, call that a gift of the spirit now. I think that is being able to appropriately speak to your time and place and possibly provide a warning. Like I I think there are people who are pointing out that if we continue to only do what we do without changing our ways, that our climate will be much worse in 50 to a hundred years. I I would call them prophets, right? Like they're they're seeing the signs or they're they're recognizing that we can't keep doing what we're doing before something reacts, right? And I think that the Hebrew prophets had a a vision of like you know, like Yahweh's spiritual guidance to the kingdom of being like if we continue to ignore the codes that we have, then God is going to essentially just surrender us to continuing going down that path and then things will be bad. Mhm. So that's what I'm into now. Um, I think it's ve- I think there's very little of it as divination. Like I I don't read Revelation as any type of future telling. That is, I don't think anything in Revelation will necessarily happen in our future. I think it's describing. It's another prophetic book that describes John the Revelator seeing what will happen to the church in the age of Emperor Nero of Rome. Josh, so, your turn. So for me, it's interesting. I'll try to keep this short because I feel like we have so much to talk about. Um, but I was raised with what I think is probably more closely tied to a Pentecostal and charismatic view of prophecy. As in, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit that is alive and well today um, that we should pray for and seek. And although people have their own spiritual gifts given to them and they are all of God. Prophecy was always like held up as like the king of the gifts, if you will. Like, yeah. And it was like kind of paradoxical. Like people would like be like, they they would always like quote some like verse from Paul where like you should seek prophecy above all else or something. But then they're like, but that doesn't mean the other ones like aren't worthy or like, so it was like kind of like an, a yes and no kind of thing. It was like a both and situation. And within all of the teachings that I got about prophecy, both uh, growing up in high school and also in going to ministry school, um, we, we took several prophecy classes. Uh, we read books by people at IHOP, um, some people from 
Bethel, the conference I went to growing up, was like by the time I was in high school, it was very like Bethel filled, both in like people and teaching and rhetoric and stuff. And there was definitely taught the concept that prophecy is both like either or future telling or forth telling. And I think that the concept of forth telling is much more in line with the idea of like truth telling, like calling it like you see it, like with whatever gifting you've been given to like bring about reality hmm. in a yeah, way. Right. Um, as opposed to like, I'm looking into the future and seeing what will happen. So like I was taught that distinction a lot. And within prophecy, like within the prophetic giftings, uh, as people refer to them, um, a lot of people distinguish between words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Have you ever heard people teach about oh, that? Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, vaguely, briefly. Um, it's like Remind me. It's like a subset of prophetic words given. Like, uh, there's like, uh, we could do like a whole podcast series on like the kind of prophetic tradition that has sprouted up in the US in the last 50 years. But more or less, words of knowledge boils down to like, the idea that God gives you specific knowledge that you would not have otherwise had. And usually it's about other people in order to like prove to them that God is speaking to you. And then usually that opens up the door for like another prophetic word for them. That's like, God wants you to do this. Or like, this is how God sees you. And it's like a lot more of the like abstract stuff versus like the words of knowledge. The word of knowledge is like something like hyper-specific that like nobody else should know kind of thing. The words of wisdom idea, I think, is more in line with like guidance. But one thing that's interesting, and I think this came out of Bethel, is uh, in like teaching people to like listen to the Holy Spirit for prophetic words, like whatever God has to show you. There was often the advice to not give any dates, mates, or babies to people. Like, whoa, this will happen on September 22nd. But because there was this like, acceptance of like you could hear incorrectly and like that is a huge responsibility and also (laughs) if you're like receiving a prophetic word like there was kind of this i've only the only other place i've heard of this kind of uh cognitive concept is like in uh mormonism uh there was kind of this idea that like it once you receive a word like if something doesn't really hit you just kind of like put it up on the shelf and pray about it and like if it doesn't resonate with you like throw it away it's not from god so it, there was like this selection bias when it came to like receiving prophetic words, um, which I will admit there's like some safety in, in terms of like, if someone just like comes up to you and like tries to give you all of this information and you're like, well, none of this like feels right, but like, I guess it's of God because they said it was, they like, I feel like some people like built in like a little bit of a safety net for that, which like also then therefore makes it seem more accurate because you're like selecting it. What else? What else? Uh, the ministry school I went to was very uh, heavy on the idea of spiritual gifts and like us seeking those and like the idea that the supernatural is a part of our everyday lives and that's what Jesus wants because we were made to do greater things than Jesus, which means we are meant to like heal and prophesy and do other things that Jesus didn't even do, which is a whole other can of worms. Like manifest angel dust. Like manifest angel dust and gemstones. What else? What else? Um, prophecy. Insane that we could just drop angel dust and gemstones and just move on with a what else, dude? You guys, you guys have to watch that documentary, The Finger of God. We like have to do a bonus episode about that sometime because we do. Yes, January of 2023, coming next year because that is exactly 
the stuff that I was raised in. Um, I shouldn't say raised in. I should say like raised aware of, I guess. Uh, but like prophecy, I think, was something more I was raised in. Like the idea of like seeking prophetic words from God. Um, have you guys ever heard of treasure hunting? You've told us about this. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like the concept comes from Bethel Church. Uh, a man named Kevin Desmond made up this practice. And he's he's very open that he like, even when he thinks it was God given, obviously, but um, he was the first person to kind of like demonstrate it um, for like class and student use at Bethel. Um, and he, the, the concept is like praying for God for like clues that you should then go out and look for. And usually it's like dependent on the clues. Like maybe one of your clues is Walmart. So guess we'll go to Walmart or like maybe we'll go to like three Walmarts and like we'll look for the other clues. There's a lot of stuff going on there, but that's like the concept of like treasure hunting uh, in, in relation to prophecy. And then usually huh. you like pray for people and that's about it. Um, I think that my concept of prophecy really started shifting Sometime during college, but I couldn't tell you where it started shifting. I think that I really started to appreciate what some might call prophetic acts a lot more. Like, for mm-hmm. example, um, one of the people who comes to mind is Shane Claiborne, who is yeah. partnering with an organization called Raw Tools, and they're like going to communities that are like historically very high in gun violence, and they're like providing the opportunity for people to like dismantle their guns. So like kind of like a buyback program, but they will like forge them into tools and jewelry. And like like hearing something like radical that's like obviously trying to like change the status quo, like whether it's like completely there or not, like those kinds of radical acts or like people standing up to civil injustice, like that feels like an act of prophecy to me. Like mm-hmm. that idea of truth telling and like declaring that like if we don't change something, like we are going down the wrong road rapidly. Mm. Honestly, my time writing and creating for the Billings Beat in Billings, uh, doing like a localized satire. Um, there were several times during that that I was like, I feel prophetic doing this. Like I feel like I'm telling, I'm like doing <laughs> creative stories about the city of Billings that like highlights yeah. us, our problems, um, in like creative ways. And it, it felt very similar to me to like that present truth-telling like this is what i see happening Mm. we just want to say how honored we are that you listen to ravel seriously there's a lot of great shows out there and we're grateful to be in your feed thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology if you want to support what we're doing the best way to help is to tell a friend about us we want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys whether they're deconstructing reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, So we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Ravel is a founding podcast of the Highline Media Network. And here's a word from one of our sister shows, No Normal People.
and welcome to No Normal People. This is a show where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. You know how there's like famous people in the world that are known very well and how they go on podcasts? Yeah. Well, we don't do that. Marketable names and yeah, audience. Buzzwords, and, yeah, buzz names. Social following. Yeah. And, John yeah. Buzz. And, well, we interview people like your Uncle Terry who collects model trains. Because he's normal. We'll even interview you, even if you don't have the cool trains that your uncle has. You can email us at nopeoplepod at gmail.com or visit our show page on www.highline.network to sign up to be on the show. And remember, the only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Listen, we know every church nowadays has its own espresso bar. But that didn't stop us. We've partnered with Good Food Award winner Revel Coffee to present a custom Highline blend. This is not your church's undertrained barista's coffee. No, no, no. It's reliable, delicious, brews well with every home method, and honestly, it just smells great. This isn't your stale, burnt-to-a-crisp grocery store brand dark roast that tastes like it comes from the pits of hell. The Highline blend is properly sourced, roasted to order, and shipped out fresh. Support us by ordering a bag at highline.network shop, or tap the link in the show notes. It's interesting, Emily, that you think you were raised with the idea that like prophecy and divination were different because I think that the type of prophetic teaching that I was given growing up was admitting of the fact that prophecy could be divination, but it was like, okay, because it was Holy Spirit divination. So if God tells something to you, that's different than like going to demons for that information. Right. I don't I know. Think, I think it's the idea of like the instrumentation of magic you know, and this almost like a fortune teller type divination more than mm. hearing from God and, and utilizing that. But if it's from God, wow. then sure. I just I just had a thought, which is pretty fun. Oh, is it a prophecy? No. Well, 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 <laughs> well, maybe it's truth telling. I don't know. Do you think or maybe I'll frame it this way. I think that the only lie the serpent told to Adam and Eve is that they will not surely die. I think he was being truthful about, you might be like God after this. Okay, expound. Well, so what I'm thinking Explain. of, what I'm thinking about is the way you just framed it as a diametric of like, if it's divination of the Holy Spirit, that's okay, because that is the spirit of truth, which is a phrase that is used a lot in those circles, as I understand it. But it also makes me think about how the character of the Satan is often put forward as like a an angel of light and how, sure, he's the father of lies or whatever, but I don't think he actually needs to lie all that much. So like when, you, when you're speaking about divination, like I've heard a lot of people be convinced that whatever spirit they were talking to, they gave me the right information because things... Mm started going my way or whatever and then there was like a twist to it right like yeah i don't know like is it would it be wow that's cr it's crazy how much we just like headlong went into like spiritualism of like just 
the accepted premise now is that we are talking to spirits helping us divine things <laughs> mm-hmm. right well i think that is the assumption by most people who talk about prophecy yeah because where else does it come from mm-hmm. you know like like i don't even though i will admit there's a lot of similar behavior i don't think many christians will say that what they're doing is through the power of themselves like like via manifesting or like spell casting like like in some witch practice even though some of the behavior looks very similar even bring like tarot cards in or something right 100 mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. yeah that's very interesting i used to practice prophecy by flipping a coin and holding my hand over it oh and i was i was better than 50 50 couldn't tell you how <laughs> wait, 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 Looking wait, back, wait. it was you, probably just a statistical anomaly. <laughs> you used to, you used to, but now you don't. Oh yeah, I was probably like eighty. I was probably correct like eighty percent of the time. But like, wow. our brains do weird things. Like, I also like know some magic, and like, I also know consciously how to like twirl like a quarter like a top and like make it heads or tails. So like, interesting. I probably just got good at quarter flipping. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I was like, because I was like under the assumption that like God would tell me things, that was like my cognitive selection. Wait, okay, I have a question. I'm so ready. What about self fulfilling prophecy? I do think that's really interesting, Um, especially like considering like behavior patterns and stuff. Do you have like an example that you're thinking of? Well, so I'm thinking in regards to prayer or how prayer is utilized where prayers are not answered. And so someone enters into a conversation, they go, you know, I, I prayed for this and I, I just knew it wouldn't happen. And guess what? I was right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's funny is like, I think that we love to like spiritualize our intuition and gut reactions, but like our brains are literally just association machines and they're so good at it. Like our brains are supercomputers that like we have not been able to replicate the amount of like calculation that our brains can do unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Like we think that we're not because like we can't like remember how to do basic math sometimes. And like sometimes we're like, wait, so, wait, three times four is, is that nine or 12. But like on like a massive like prediction scale, our brains are really good at it. Like we are more often good at predicting the outcomes of our actions or other people's actions. So like, I can appreciate like now I I feel like I can appreciate like the the concept of truth telling like whether it is like on a one-on-one basis or like person to community or people who are like trying to call out a nation and be like this is like on a political level I can kind of respect it because I think that like those opinions should lead us to truth and betterment like because mm. we are like trying to use our brains in a predictive way and the more people that are doing that, the more it should lead us to what will inevitably happen or what we need to change. Do you think that prophecy, however you define it, is essentially meant to be good? Oh, what do you think? The optimist in me says yes. <laughs> like it's meant to point us toward favorable outcomes? Well, I think it's meant to point us in something that is life-giving, and it does that maybe by pointing out the things that are not life-giving, like hoping to change perspective or to change behavior or outcome. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think that comes from the motivation of the prophet, or 
the ooh, the power behind the prophet because yes <laughs> well-meaning people have told Dixie and I that they know we will get pregnant and have a family one day no dates no mates no babies you see it it prevents stuff like that but i cannot tell you how painful it is to be told that right now 100% and in a, in a way it's very relatable to Right, Abraham's wife in the Bible of being like, I'm 90. Are you kidding me? What? Yeah. This, it's, it's a preposterous thing for you to tell me that I will have a family when I'm in the lowest of low griefs. Well, and it's situations like that where is it really prophecy or is it someone platitudes. just sending? Exactly. Is it prophecy exactly. or platitudes? Ooh. That's or sweet. like best guess too. Like I think that's part of what's happening is like, cognitive prediction or or they're just leaning on some sort of uh i don't know either their personal experience or statistics i've seen it both ways mm, where mm-hmm. like well again well-meaning people have told dixie well it's like if you stop trying to become pregnant you'll just become pregnant it's weird that Oof. way and it's like shut mm. the fuck up please thank you mm. walk away mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. helpful uh yeah that that is well, so tough. Ooh. Well, and that's the thing is like who that I don't see that as prophecy. I think that's just people lifting platitudes. Um, who is prophecy for? Because if you think about it, the prophets were sharing, hey, listen, listen. And there are people who are like, shut up. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. This huh. is going to dismantle everything we know and cherish and believe in. Um, so is prophecy like what is being shared? Is it for everyone? Because there are going to be things that are told that is going to piss people off, whether it's those in power or those who want to have power, you know? So yeah, like those people would say prophecy is not good unless it's in their favor, you know? That's a fascinating question. Who is prophecy for? Is it for the prophet themselves? Or is it for the masses and the masses just need to get over it, even if it goes against those who have power or mm. want to hold the status quo? I think it totally depends on like the type of prophecy we're talking about. Like if we're talking about Martin Luther King Jr., like I think you could make a very good argument that like what he was doing was within the tradition of prophecy as seen by the Jewish and future Christian perspective, in that he's questioning the status quo and he's trying to reveal the truth about the way things are in the U.S. and the way that things need to change Mm -hmm. for the betterment of humanity. And it does, Um, he does put a finger on the phrase of like the long arc of the universe bends toward justice. Like I, if you had to summarize any prophet of the Old Testament, is that not what they're saying? Basically. We're headed toward somewhere, but it's, it's awful rocky where we're at Mm -hmm. right now. Like that's the vocation is saying things are bad it's 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 almost like yeah you're speaking truth to power in that case but you're also like you're gifting hope at the same time because it's one thing to be like oh yeah this is all just going to burn down and it's going to be really bad for everyone but i feel like a real like a, a a person really caught up in the spirit of prophecy is almost like yeah things are going to be bad but they'll be better so Okay, here's a quick question. What do we do then with individuals like mediums or like I'm, t- I'm thinking of people like Teresa Caputo and yeah. people who, you know, make money 
off of the gift of prophecy? Um, as someone who, like, for a long time, I felt like I was getting good at prophecy, like whether it meant on a personal basis, like God, like directing me in what to do or like me, like discerning the will of God, um, or whether it was like listening to God for information about other people or like what God wanted me to tell other people. Like, I, I really felt like I was developing that. And I, I think that the same can be true for non-Christian practitioners as well. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound like better than or like more intelligent than, but I, I, I recognize how easy it is to like truly believe that you are doing something on like a spiritual psychological level when like in reality, I think that it is very likely that we are just conditioning ourselves and reinforcing ourselves through our biases that we are we are doing something. It like our, our biases are very strong that they're often like so hidden to us. So in in my personal opinion, I think that it's very explainable on a scientific psychological level. I know how to cold read a little bit, but there are some people that are so good at cold reading that it blows my mind. Like, wait, what do you mean? So cold reading, cold reading is basically figuring out someone's information like Sherlock Holmes style. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, using deductive reasoning, um, any information they give you, context clues, like whole nine yards. Uh, James Randi is probably the most famous cold reader who debunked all the cold readers who were like disguising themselves as psychics and mediums and uh, I don't remember the name of his documentary on Netflix, but it's super, super good. Um, I think we should find a link to it and put it in the notes because it's fantastic. So he talks a little bit about like exposing some of these people. There are some people too that will like, like not necessarily like expose how people do things, but like basically call them out and and like like in a Moses and Pharaoh magicians kind of showdown, <laughs> like replicate their results and be like, you're a fake, like a Penn and Teller oh. type. Yeah. And to be honest, I think you can be good at cold reading and not know that you're cold reading. Like That's true. Because it, it like it feels like intuitive and it, it feels like you are picking up on things that nobody else is picking up on, which in some ways is true. So like like you like I just watched a TikTok video of a guy cold reading this woman and he was like, "What can I do to convince you that I'm reading your mind? Like is there a date?" in your head that like nobody else would know. And she was like, yeah, the day my cat died. And he was like, great. I want you to focus on that. I want you to grab my wrist and I'm holding a Sharpie in it. And I want you to just move your wrist. Like, like we're just going to like move and I'm going to like, like, don't, don't, don't make my hand ride anything, but just like, I want you to move with my hand. And then he did that for a second. And then he like, then he drew, he wrote the date on her hand and it was the date, August 3rd. And like, whether or not that was staged for social media, that's like a whole other thing. But like, some people can like do that level of cold reading and it's like really impressive and it's very like stage presence driven and it's like huh. 100% hmm. possible. There's a good episode on um on Heaven Bent that series by uh um Sarah Jean Stevens, she's a Canadian reporter. It's a great podcast series. I think I've mentioned it before, but there's a good couple episodes on oh, I cannot remember his name. Um it's not Joshua Harris, but it's it's someone who's like prominent in some prophetic circles. And he's like, he's been like regularly debunked (laughs) as like calling out sicknesses or like, like declaring someone is healed. That's the other interesting. Do you think you guys were ever like exposed to the idea of like declaring things to like be reality? 
Yeah, that wasn't really anything that was brought up per se. I think there was maybe not like the most like prominent thing, but it was definitely something I was exposed huh. to. Like the idea that you could like pray via declaration, that you could like literally pray things into existence. Like usually it was like abstracted and spiritualized and you know, broad sweeping. So it's like hard to like measure whether you did anything. But I think in those communities, it's often done with like a lot of belief. And I think it builds off of the bedrock of like the idea of prophecy as a modern day Mm. spiritual gifting that like you can be good at. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, uh, like Paula White, I think is a great example. Her calling the angels of Africa to intervene in the election. Classic example. (laughs) Mm, Sure. people, People do that, right? Yeah, right. I have kind of a 90 degree pivot here. I got a question. It's for Emily, actually. Are any of the Hebrew prophets ever explicitly named as priests, like Levite specifically, or like were any of them priests before they like uh, took their show on the road, as it were? I don't think so. Actually, no. So... I think it's interesting that that distinction seems to exist in the Hebrew Bible between priest and prophet. Hmm. And I think I could argue, at least for a Protestant angle, that our priest class is our pastor. It's interesting to me that we don't have like prophets explicitly anymore, and that very often mm-hmm. prophets are pastors, or like people who try to build themselves as prophets are pastors as well. That's a good point. You know? Because it, it seemed like it was almost like a separate office in ancient Israel. Right. But that we've almost like married the two functions. Well, what's funny to me, it's kind of funny, um, about what happens, I think, in some Protestant charismatic circles is like there's the idea that like everyone should seek prophecy and like like everyone can be prophetic and like hear from the Holy Spirit, which is like classic Protestant, right? Uh, just like taken to the supernatural. Extreme. Everyone, Yeah. Um, but then there's also it's very like, egalitarian if we're honest about it. <laughs> right, exactly. But then there's also this concept that God is establishing the office of prophet in the modern day. And that like I th- I think it's a lot of people like self self justifying their like position and authority in some of these circles. But Oh um, yeah. It's like a it's an interesting paradox of like everyone can seek the supernatural and prophetic, but then also there's the office of prophet. Mm. And that's a big deal. (laughs) Are there any people that you can think of that you would consider having acted prophetically? No, not personally. I'm sure there are people and I'm like stumbling to bring them to mind. And I think sometimes it's those people that aren't always at the forefront of our mind, you know, because some of the prophets were not always like <laughs> the big shots or people who were like well recognized. So I'm sure there are people. Or there's even like the concept of like this person was ahead of their time, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Well, if we're going to assume the idea of truth telling as maybe a good working definition of prophecy still, how is that lived out? Yeah. How is that practiced? I feel it like it comes a lot from what you had distinguished as words of wisdom. I feel like nowadays we consider someone almost prophetic when maybe they're just simply acting wisely. Mm. And calling out the wisdom that they want to see in the world. 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can get behind that. I think that a lot of the people that I think of off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, are they a modern day prophet? I think we tend to think of people who um, were either the turning point or they were calling for a turning point in the status quo. Yeah. Well, thanks for reconsidering prophecy. I think it's an interesting one. And I think it's one that's like thought of very differently, even just like in America among Christians. So yeah, for sure. This is really good topic. Thanks for uh, taking some time with me. Do you, oh, sorry, I'm in curveball at the end, but do you think people who engage in dream interpretation are also trying to act prophetically? Or does that feel just like a different class of thing? No, I think people are. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we would like talk about that in ministry school sometimes that, um, like the idea of like prophetic dream interpretation because it's in the Bible. Like people, prophets yeah. did it in the Bible. So therefore, it's for us. Yeah. Joseph did it, right? Yeah, yeah, number of times. I think a lot of people included under there. I think that the amount of people who uh, like take it spiritually seriously, like for guidance or for information, I think that that number is probably small. Yeah, well, nowadays I feel like it's just you can immediately, you know, invoke a laugh and just call it Freudian, right? Like, yeah, uh, that's just like a way to write it off now. <laughs> <laughs> but I've totally done that before. I've totally like dream journaled to like try and track down what God was trying to tell me through my dreams. Well, interesting. Emily, do you have a uh, word of prophecy oh, to yes. uh, tell us out of here? Amazing. Um, Amazing. The truth that I am speaking is that we can shape our future and we can stay in community. We can stay in justice oriented spaces and continue to ravel out our faith. If anything is foreseeable, it's that we're going to keep podcasting. So stay tuned in 2023. Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.